This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast. I'm Kristen Ergel, your host, a former TV sports reporter and fellow college football coach's wife. I'll go one-on-one with the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. I'm so thrilled to have Tiffany Heklinski today. Tiffany is the wife of Jeff Heklinski, offensive coordinator for San Diego State University. Thank you so much for being a part of us today. Oh, Kristen, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to speak to you and everybody out there. Well, 20 plus years of coaching and being a coach's wife here in college, anywhere from Kansas, Michigan, Arizona, to name a few bowl games. I'm looking through the resume. I see all conference players, NFL players. He's also been a recruiting coordinator as well as an OC at many of the stops he's been at. What do you think when you hear all these things just thrown out there about your history for the last 20 years? Obviously, Jeff Heklinski is very special, but what do you think makes him special? Well, it's it's been quite a ride. And I will tell you, you know, some days I'm like, oh my gosh, it has been over 20 years. And then some days I'm like, it just has happened in a blink of an eye. And so um, it's just kind of crazy to even reflect on that, um, to think we've been in, in the profession this long. Um, but I will say that that no matter where Jeff has coached, and, and we've coached at almost every level except high school and NAIA. So we've been at junior college, division three, division two, uh, one double FCS now. I, I'm old school, so I still use the, right, the old right. name. He cares about his players, and he's in this profession because he wants to help. When you get into this profession over 20 years ago, the money wasn't the same as it is now. Mm-hmm. And so when you got into it, you didn't think, oh my gosh, I'm going to like, I could possibly make a lot of money doing this. Like that didn't enter um, our our minds at all. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, we want to help. We want to um, be good role models. He wants to be a good role model for other young men. He wants to uh, serve like other people um, served as a role model to him. Um, and he just loved the game of football. And so I think that is what um, makes a lot of these guys, you know, you know, like Jeff, Um, makes them special is that they're in it uh, what I think is for the right reasons and and that's because they love the game they love the players and they want to make a difference and and I I would like to think that he's done that every place he's been amen to that okay walk me through your road to San Diego State so where are all the stops you hinted to every level of football pretty much I love hearing that Yeah, it's been it's it's been a journey. And, you know, as you know, and and a lot of people know, it's definitely um, not a straight line, right? It's it's Mm -hmm. full of ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, And and he started out, um, I would think a little bit differently, um, where he started out in Division three football. So he uh, decided not to be a graduate assistant right out of college. Um, He played in the arena league for a year and got injured and um, took a Division three job in Benedict- at Benedictine University in Chicago. 
And he said, you know, I just, I want to coach. I want to, I want to see if I like it and I want to coach. And so he just got right into it. And so he went from there to being, going to junior college in Fort Scott, Kansas. Then we went to a division two school. It was called Central Missouri State at the time. Now it's University of Central Missouri. And then uh, we went to the University of Arizona. Then we went to Ball State. Then we went to San Diego State the first time, then to the University of Michigan. Um, so we were kind of on this kind of upward trajectory for a while, um, you know, that was nice. And then uh, went from the University of Michigan and then went to Colorado State Pueblo, which was a Division II school. And so definitely a twist that was full of wonderful life lessons was probably the best experience that he has had as a coach and probably I think the most important one worked for a wonderful man named John Riston um, and met just some of the most amazing uh, people on that staff. And then from there um, went to the University of Illinois, then went to Indiana State and University of Kansas uh, where I got to meet you And now, yep. And now here we are back in San Diego. Take two. Wow. Awesome. Now where did you grow up and did you ever think that you would be a coach's wife? Well, my story's a little different because I'm actually a coach's kid in addition to being a coach's wife. So I grew up literally all over the country. So my dad was, um, started out as a high school coach and then got into um, college coaching when I was four years old. So I lived all over growing up, you know, he coached, um, started out at a small division three school in Indiana called Wabash College, an all-male school, which was just some of my best memories of my whole life were there. Mm -hmm. And then um, moved uh, all over, ended up being at Marshall, University of Illinois, Kansas State, uh, was at the University of Texas, Vanderbilt, coached in NFL Europe for a while. And um, so... So I grew up all over. So did I ever think I was going to be a coach's wife? You know, I thought I would always be around football. I knew I was always going to be around football. I honestly thought I would be working in it. I wanted to be an athletic director when I was growing up. Um, But, you know, I met Jeff and he decided to be a coach. And I was like, well, I guess I guess this is it. And uh, my career path, I decided to change that. Uh, Because I thought he was really cute. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, I have to know how did you meet him? Well, and that so my dad was coaching at the University of Illinois, and Jeff was it's so bad, Kristen. Um, My uh, Jeff was a quarterback coming out of Chicago. And my dad was recruiting him. And this was back in the day. I'm going to say that a lot during this, I think, back in the day. Um, you could have recruiters, like recruiting girls. Oh, yes, and yes, so yes. You remember those? And oh, so, like, I was Texas, one. Texas Angels. Okay, there we go. Tiger and so <laughs> there we go. Yes. And so he came down on a visit. And I was his recruiting hostess and showed him and his dad around campus. And that's how we met. And we had to like write letters to them to like stay in touch. And that's how it started. I love this story. And I never (laughs) knew this story. Oh my God. I I try to avoid telling it. And Jeff is always like, oh yeah, she liked me. You know, (laughs) 
So <laughs> I, of course, always come off as, which, and it's true, I'm older, you know, my mother was horrified, <laughs> you know, she's like, oh my gosh, Tiffany, I can't believe this. I'm like, mom, I'm just recruiting him. <laughs> okay. So you, mean, yes. you guys get married three amazing children names and ages now. Oh, thank you. So we have our oldest is Riley. We call her Riley girl. And then our son, um, our oldest son is a freshman in high school and his name is Mikey. And then our youngest is JR, and he is in seventh grade. Okay, so 20 plus years, I'm thinking you've had some bowl games in the mix. So, what do you, would you say is maybe one of the most fun bowl games you've been a part of? Well, I think any bowl game is a fun bowl game, you know, yes. and, 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 you know, I think, you know, but, but I will say the first bowl game you go to is, I think, the most special. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you realize how incredibly special it is and how you just can never take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad was coaching at Kansas state. And so my first bowl game was, as, was as a kid, as a coach's kid. And we had gone, we were at Kansas state and Oh my Lord, we were part of what I call the dark time there. And, um, you know, we went two and nine, Oh, and 10 and one, Oh, and 11. And then the next year, my dad got a job at the University of Illinois, and we were working for a man named John Makovic, who is just an amazing uh, coach and an amazing person. And um, so we, and Jeff George was our quarterback. We had all these wonderful players, and we went to the Citrus Bowl. I don't, is that even called it that anymore? It's in Orlando. I don't I, even know if that's what I'm it's called. I'm tracking with you because I'm about your age. So I'm like, yeah, the Citrus Bowl. I'm like, I don't know if it's that anymore. Exactly. I don't even know what it is. It might be like but Capital it, One or something. Is that what it is? I don't yeah, know. Let's you Google it. <laughs> so, um, but we got, and we finished 10th in the country and wow. we went from being 0 and 11 Wow. To going 10 and one, I think the final record was. Wow. And I just, yeah. And so that bowl game was like, I mean, we were at Disney World, but we were literally in Disney World because like (laughs) we, we couldn't, my mom and I, we could not believe it. We were like constantly like, are we really at a bowl game? Like, are we really, and we were with people that they were like, oh yeah, this is our 10th bowl game. Like this is our da 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 da. And we were like, okay, well, we've never been to one. (laughs) This is like, we just walked around, I think with our mouths open for 10 days. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty amazing. So that first one, they're, they're all cool, but I think that first one, you can't beat it. Mm, I like that. Not every day is a great day right? You have highs, you have Mm -hmm. lows in coaching football and in life too. What do you think's been maybe the toughest adversity you have faced and what did you rely on to get through those moments? Yeah, it's, I mean, you just can't go through this profession without adversity, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and, and, and life is so hard and, um, especially now with what's going on in the world and, and what obviously our, our husbands are dealing with, with, trying to still make these connections, you know, this is obviously a a very trying time. It's a very scary time. Um, But I will say, and we feel very fortunate that we're at a place like San Diego State right now that, you know, you know, we don't have to worry about 
some other things going on professionally and Jeff can just focus on his players. So we feel very fortunate to be here and in this situation and to work who we're working for. But I would say after we got let go at Michigan um, was probably for our family such um, a difficult time because uh, you know, it just, it had been a rough couple years as far as just, um, what was going on there. And it, you know, you just, you have faith and, um, you know, you rely on that faith and you rely on other coaches' wives. Mm. And I'm getting my PhD right now in, um, communications. And I did some research on, um, coaches' wives and what they go through when their husband gets fired. And mm. what I found was that they equate it to a death. Wow. And yeah, it was really interesting, Kristen. Um, and so when I say that about Michigan, even though we had gotten let go before, for some reason that one was just a really, really um, uh, significant experience for us. And, you know, it did seem like a death. And it was so interesting because you, when I spoke with these women, they would even say to me, and even I say this, like, I know death is different than losing your job. Like, I, I know that, like, right. I'm, I can be logical and practical and say, like, I understand that this is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But just that visceral emotion. Yes. Um, was definitely there. And, and it was so interesting that I would speak to different women and they didn't know what each other were saying, hmm. but they would verbatim say, it just felt like somebody died. I wow. just, it just felt like a death. And so I really felt like that. So I would definitely say that that time was so hard, but, you know, I think that was definitely a valley. But as we know that when you're in that valley, you know, there's nowhere to go but up, right? Mm -hmm. And we were so fortunate that it was not our plan. It was God's plan. And we, Jeff went to Colorado State Pueblo, took a job there. And that ended up just changing so many different things in our family, how much we appreciated different things. Um, I just, so many things. And so even though it was such a trying time, it was also just a transformational time. What came out of it, you know, wow. never be the same after that. You topic you talked about when you were interviewing these women, did they talk about mm-hmm. being, they having to go through the process of getting over it? Like you would go through all those stages. I mean, did they mention some of that, how there's a process you go through? Absolutely. They did. Absolutely. They did. And, and I think anybody that gets let go, um, will probably identify with what these women had to say. And that was that, you know, you feel like there's this death, you're trying to make sense of it, you're trying to understand, right, what happened. Mm -hmm. And everybody handles it differently. But what I found so interesting was that (laughs) they knew it was not the same thing as death, yet that was still the reaction. And so the grieving process really mirrored 
that same process, you know, where you, where the grieving process really mirrored that same process of getting over, getting fired from a job. Um, and obviously everybody goes through those stages differently. Everybody goes through them in their own time frame. Um, and, you know, some women went through it fairly quickly. Obviously the women uh, whose husbands found a job quickly got through it a little quicker than the ones whose husbands didn't find a job as quickly or didn't find a job at that level. So there were definitely confounding factors to it. And, and I think that's what makes this profession so unique also is because it's so public. Public. Mm-hmm. Right. And so not only are you going through these emotions, but everybody knows what's happened, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was the other thing that these women really talked about is that how nobody else understood what they were going through except other coaches' wives. And so even when they would talk to family members, you know, they would say, um, well, I've been fired before. And it's like, but it's so not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you get fired and not to say that losing your job in any profession isn't difficult. Right. But it, you know, was it on, you know, ESPN on the ticker constantly? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And are people celebrating it? Right. Right. Sometimes people get let go and people are like, oh, let's have a party. That's excellent, right? That's that's a way to make people feel good, especially children. Yeah. Especially children. Exactly. I keep hitting you with some amazingly tough questions, and you're knocking them out of the ballpark, so I'm just going for it. Ah! All right, so you are a backbone of a highly successful coach. What do you think you've done, or what have you tried to do that has contributed to the success that he's had? What do you, when you sit there, you were a coach's daughter walking through this. What are the, some things that you've tried to focus on as you grow through this? Oh gosh. You know, I think, and, and I think this is consistent when you, when you talk to other wives is you just try to maintain that sense of calm at home mm-hmm. because as crazy as it gets, right. As crazy mm-hmm. as it gets for them, whether it's good or bad, right? That that the highs can be so incredibly high and the lows can be so low. And just trying to maintain some consistency on that roller coaster. And I think obviously, you know, being older now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, reflection helps in that. Um, but but trying to take that 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 consistency and saying, you know what, that that was great, but let's enjoy the high, let's enjoy it, but let's not forget where we've been. Mm -hmm. And I think having that perspective um, helps to remain humble Mm -hmm. and to remain that you are a human and you make mistakes. Again, just don't let those highs get too high, but at this, and, and I don't mean that like that you shouldn't enjoy anything because you absolutely should, you should enjoy every single day, but at this, but meaning like, when you get to the lows, the lows can't kill you. Right. You know, you've got to be like, hey, this is part of the process. This is part of the process. A few years ago, there was something that happened in your life that basically changed the trajectory of your life. Take me back to that moment of, of that crossroads for you. Yeah, there was um, a time. It was uh, June of 2011. And uh, seems like yesterday, but is is getting pretty far back there. Um, and I had, we had just gotten hired at the University of Michigan, 
and uh, we had been before at San Diego State University. And that season, that fall season, so the fall of 2010, you know, I'd been experiencing some pain in my side. And, you know, I think, you know, as, as pretty much every coach's wife can relate, right, we, we push that aside, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've got a pain, like, oh, you know, I must have like pulled a muscle, you know, maybe it was, you know, I was doing too many crunches or, you know, <laughs> right. maybe I moved something, I picked something up, you know, because obviously we have to lift everything and do it all ourselves. And so, but, but it, it didn't go away. And so I did go see my doctor and here in San Diego and, um, you know, she was just like, your husband has a very stressful job. Um, you know, you're, you work, you have three children. I'm sure this is just stress, that sort of thing. And essentially just kind of blew me off Mm -hmm. and the pain remained. The season went on, uh, San Diego state was doing really well. And we end up getting hired at the university of Michigan. And then once we transitioned to living in Ann Arbor, the pain started to get worse and worse. But again, I think like any coach's wife can relate, um, when you move somewhere, there's a lot to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get, you know, first of all, finding a place to live. Then we were, um, uh, you know, getting the kids enrolled in school, um, getting them involved in their activities. And then everything that goes along with coaching at the University of Michigan, there was just a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, the pain was getting worse. I would go to urgent cares um, and a little scary. They would just give me pain medication and send me on my way. Um, you know, so I'm very fortunate nothing negative happened from that. But um, uh, in June, uh, Jeff was at camp um, and the pain was just so bad and so intense that wow. I couldn't, um, I couldn't even stand. And so he got home from camp that night at like, Oh, I don't know, like 10, 11 o'clock, you know, whenever they mm-hmm. get home from, from those summer camps. And I said, look, I'm going to go to the emergency room. I'm like, you just stay here with the kids. I'm sure they'll figure this out. I'll be back like before you have to leave to go back to camp in a wow. couple hours. And so drove myself to the emergency room in Saline, Michigan, and um, they did an MRI, um, saw a mass um, in my right side. Then they did a CT scan um, and saw that that what um, that what looked like a tumor. And they immediately called an ambulance and said, "You're got to go into emergency surgery." And so they took me to the hospital. And that night. Um, uh, they removed um, a tumor from my colon, um, and two, about 48 hours later, I was diagnosed with stage three colorectal cancer at the wow. age of 37. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, you know, I was very fortunate um, to obviously be at a place like the University of Michigan, where we had amazing insurance. I was going to get amazing um, treatment. Uh, you know, they saved my life. And um, it really does change your perspective on things. Um, My kids were, um, our daughter was in seventh grade. Um, My son, uh, my middle son was in second grade. And then my youngest was just starting kindergarten. And so, you know, I know, you know, you can relate, everybody can relate to having kids those ages. And, um, you know, I was undergoing 
cancer treatment. And so I was, you know, having radiation and continuous chemotherapy. And then I was just having chemotherapy. And um, because I was stage three, they were very aggressive with my treatment. And so I was in bed at times for, you know, 23 hours a day um, Mm -hmm. because I just was so, so sick. Um, The kind of ironic thing about this was that that was the best football year we had while we were at Michigan we were there for four seasons and we ended up like going to the sugar bowl that year and winning the sugar bowl and all this stuff and I have you know we call it my fuzzy time like I have very few memories of that season um and you know there's some pretty you know significant moments for my husband's career that that just I was not a part of because you know I'm fighting for my life Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I think it does, you know, put football in perspective, you know, because it is our life, but you have to live, you have to be living, right? Mm, <laughs> to, right, right. To be a part of it. And so, so it, it definitely, it definitely did. And, you know, it makes me sad um, because I did miss out on, on all of those things that, you know, special moments um, that, that he had. Uh, that, that I just was not able to, to process because I was so sick. Um, I feel very fortunate that we had such a strong um, coaches, you know, so many coaches' wives that were just amazing as far as helping me. Um, you know, they brought me food. Lori Mallory, um, her husband is the head coach at Indiana State now, and she organized like a meal um, a meal train, you know, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our head coach's wife, Laura Hoke, who is our head coach now here at San Diego State, you know, just anything I needed as far as like, you know, if I needed to be driven to the hospital or something like that. You know, I was just very fortunate. Uh, Shelly Wellman, uh, her husband is a strength coach at Indiana University now. You know, she would, you know, just call and check in on me. Um, Teresa Funk, Kim Smith, you know, just so many women that I'm so incredibly, Natalie Montgomery, her husband's with the Packers now would drive my children all over the place. So Mm -hmm. I had, you know, this amazing group to help me through it. And I think that's what makes, you know, coaches wives so special because we really, you know, when, when it's, when it's crunch time and I know when we talk about crunch time on the field, we step up, but in something like that, this is, this is different. And they really stood, you know, they really, you know, rallied around me and, you know, I never felt like alone or anything like that. Cause I knew they would always be there. So I'm very fortunate to, um, uh, be with no evidence of disease for, oh my gosh, like it'll be like nine years. Wow. So that's, yeah. So Huge. it's great. So I'm considered, yes, I'm considered cured. And, um, you know, we always laugh. We, we got fired from the University of Michigan, but I'm like, oh, man, they saved my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what a perspective. Wow. And now you're the face. You do a lot of public speaking for the awareness of colorectal cancer. Yeah, I've been, you know, because of that and obviously with what Jeff does, 
it's afforded me um, some opportunities to hopefully bring awareness to what they call young onset colorectal cancer. And so while colorectal cancer is declining in those 50 years in age and older, it's actually increasing in those of us that are under 50. So even nine years later, I still do not meet the criteria for getting a colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. And that is so incredibly scary. And people are being diagnosed younger and younger um, and in more advanced stages. So a lot of us are diagnosed at stage three, stage four versus those that are diagnosed over 50. They are usually diagnosed at, at earlier stages, so they have a greater chance of survival. So I'm very fortunate and I do try to, you know, take every opportunity I can to, to share my story um, to make sure that those that might be at risk for colorectal cancer or who just, you know, have a pain or are having some issue, you know, with, with their body to say, hey, make sure you're paying attention to your body. You know, you, you, we're our own best advocate. We know our bodies and especially for coaches wives, right? Mm -hmm. Like right. We, we put everybody yes, else we do. in front of us. And so we have to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, we put the game before us, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just people. We even put a game before ourselves. So, um, so I do try to take advantage of that whenever I can. And hopefully, hopefully it helps just one person. If I can help one person, then it's all worth it. Well, you've helped so many people, and then you also help people in a different way. I know when I moved to the University of Kansas here, you were here, and the awareness you have for anyone going through adversity is just touching. You'll just be at my house at a moment's notice when my daughter Landry is sick um, this past year. Has that opened your eyes? I know it's opened my eyes for other people going through any type of uh, medical challenge or just issues going on that we face. Has that been something that just, do you think because of that, that's made you aware of others? You are so sweet to say that. Um, but absolutely, because I feel like once you undergo some type of adversity like that, and it, it's not to say that you know, people who don't go through some sort of health scare or health crisis, you know, like there's, it just gives you it, like you said, it gives you a different perspective. You know, once you go through it, I think that feeling of empathy for someone else, you know, I can, I could see it in your eyes because I know what I felt like. And even though our situations are very different at the same time, I know that feeling of helplessness. I know that feeling of my husband is gone and, and I'm just, I'm just trying to hold on here and I'm just trying to hold it together. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think it, it, it has changed my perspective and it also has changed my perspective of, you know, I try to remember, okay, this is just a game. Mm -hmm. And even though it is our life, it is our life, it is our life. And, and, and it is, and it's, you know, gosh, it's our, I mean, it is, I mean, wins and losses are, you know, how, how we eat, right. How mm -hmm. we afford to pay our mortgages and send our children to college and all those kinds of things. Sometimes we do need to remember that, Hey, you know, we are people and we do have challenges and, you know, just to make sure that, that we keep that in mind. So I do think it has, has, has changed my perspective to that um, a little bit. And I try to, you know, when, when things aren't going really well, uh, you know, I, I do try to keep that in mind. And, and obviously it's, it's increased my faith um, because, you know, you know, God had a plan 
Um, and, you know, we like to think that we're in control and we're in charge. And, you know, I think then God maybe laughed at me a little bit and said, nice try. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so you know, it, it has increased my faith as well because he, it was all him. You know, Michigan saved my life, but God led us there. And, um, you know, I, I believe that. So, so in addition, I think to the, to the empathy factor with others with health issues, I'm just, I'm grateful for, um, you know, that opening my eyes to, to how important my faith is to me. Mm, I know he is our rock. You know, when you go, it strips away all that to where you go, he is our source, you know, no matter what, no, and I forget the perfect ending on the field that we want or the, all the wins that we want. He is our right. source. How do you think your family took the whole cancer diagnosis? I mean, was it tough on them or was it just one, just y'all did it day by day? How did you handle that? It's really interesting, you know, cause I'm an only child. And so my parents took it very, very hard because obviously I'm their only child. I mean, that's, this is it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've met my mom and dad. And so, you know, that we are incredibly close. And so they're precious um, people. Thank you. Thank you. Um, th- you know, so, so for them, you know, you know, the love you have for your child and that doesn't change, you know, no matter how old they are. So I think for them, it was, incredibly painful and incredibly scary. Um, as far as my kids go, um, Riley was in seventh grade, so she had the most understanding of what was going on. Um, you know, she had to grow up really fast, really quick and really fast. Um, because it was now all of a sudden, you know, like (laughs) she's starting to have to handle things on her by herself. She's having to help with her brothers. Um, you know, there were times when there were like recruiting functions, um, or even at games where, you know, she would stand in for me and she's in seventh grade, you know, but Jeff was the recruiting coordinator and she had to go meet recruits and talk to people. And, um, you know, has that served her well now? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but definitely, you know, it changed, it changed her. Um, somebody said once to me, one of my friends actually who knew us out here in San Diego was talking about how happy-go-lucky um, Riley was when we lived here. And then she was like, you know, I've, I've seen her recently and she just seems a little bit more serious. And I was like, well, she's been through some stuff now, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, and so I, I do think that that it did, you know, rob her of, of her youth in that sense. Um, because all of a sudden, you know, what she saw me go through, no child should see, mm-hmm. no child should see their mother right. go through that. No. Um, and then as far as Mikey goes, um, you know, he was in second grade. He kind of got what was going on. Not really. Um, but you know, Mikey and Jr. both Jr. I think, was affected the most because I could talk to Mikey and explain to him, look, mommy's sick now, but I'm going to be okay. And he would be like, okay, you're going to be fine. Yes. You're going to be fine. Jr. When I was diagnosed was four. Wow. And so, yeah. And so to, so he really had no understanding of, Mm -hmm. you know, what it was, what cancer was, 
you know, he couldn't process. He just knew his mom was in bed all the time mm-hmm. and his mom was sick and his mom couldn't walk him to the bus stop or his mom couldn't go to school. I couldn't read with him, you know, like I couldn't even read a book. Um, so whereas Mikey had a couple years in school and kind of understanding like JR was just like learning to read and write and all those things. And, um, you know, that was, that was pretty tough. And, and I definitely see, you know, we all have, you know, I, I may have the physical scars, but we all have those emotional scars. Mm. Um, and I think they all just show in different ways. You can tell, like, if I'm not feeling well or something, you know, sometimes I'll be fine, but every once in a while, they'll kind of look at me with a side eye and be like, are you, is everything okay? Mm. I'm fine. We're good. And for a while it was like, I couldn't even have a bandaid on. Mm. And JR would be like, why do you have a bandaid on? Oh, so, wow. yeah, so it's, so the, the emotional scars are there, you know, um, you know, and, and again, I don't, I don't know if, if those will ever go away. Um, but I think it, like you said, it does give them a perspective about things that it does give them some empathy about things. Um, and, you know, and I think they, they respect me, you know, they were like, mm-hmm. we know what our mom has gone through. There are not a lot of excuses in our house for when, <laughs> when things are tough. Right. 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 No, <laughs> mama's endured a lot. I'm telling you, you can get over a lot. Now, Riley oh, is so impressive. She's with the Cleveland Browns. Am I right? She is. So she is a scouting assistant with the Cleveland Browns. She was, um, she graduated in May and then was hired by the Browns, um, like literally the week after she graduated from college. Incredible. So she, Incredible. Yeah. So she got hired when she was 21. So we are very, uh, you know, we're feeling pretty, pretty, pretty fortunate, pretty grateful, but you know, she's, you know, again, all of the lessons that, that she's learned by being a coach's kid and, um, you know, going through all of the adversity, um, you know, it definitely has helped her because she, you know, when, when, you know, they're talking about different things with football, you know, she's lived it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think she offers a, a, a unique perspective that, that a lot of other people don't have. You have such a unique perspective because not only have you lived this, you know, for the past 20 plus years, you were a coach's daughter, um, in some very large places growing up in the spotlight. So what have you tried to do when raising your amazing children that I know? <laughs> well, you're sweet. Well, you know, I think part of it is just you know, cause obviously I, you know, lots of lessons the hard way. And I always try to tell them like, okay, so here's what mommy did to really <laughs> screw up when she was growing up. So let's not do that. Um, but it, but it's, <laughs> yeah, that, that, those are a lot of the conversations. Is, let's do exactly <laughs> the opposite of what mommy did, but you know, it's, you know, just enjoying, enjoying being around football, mm-hmm. um, enjoying the sport uh, being fortunate, you know, make sure you, that, that you're, that you realize how fortunate you are to be around the game, to be around these players, to, be, and, and it doesn't matter what level you're at. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter what level you're at. Cause, cause you know, I think that's, um, such an important part of, of the game of football coaches at high school or junior high or junior college, they want to win just as much as any other coach. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and those yes. wives, they're just as vested as any other coach's wife. Exactly. And those kids are just as vested as any other coach's kids. And so 
enjoy where you are regardless of where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talk to them a lot about that. Uh, you're blessed. You're blessed to be in this. Um, part of it is not taking things personally um, with, with what kids say, with, with what other people say about, about their dad. Um, and again, not get too high, not get too low, try to maintain consistency. Um, just, just kind of that, that balance for them. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty emotional growing up and, you know, I wish I could go back and, and, um, you know, not, not have possibly like, you know, maybe not had friends because they said something about my dad and I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. You know, I wish maybe I had gone back and been like, you know what? Yeah. They're just talking, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I talked to them a lot about that, that, you know, don't take things so personally. It's okay. Um, and just again, try to listen and to let them know that, Hey, I've been there, you know, I, I get you. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of it, it just stinks, you know, you know, people and people can be mean. And, and I get it. Yeah. What do you think you is know, the toughest um, part about being a coach's wife or even a coach's kid? You've lived both. The feeling is so different when it's your dad than when it's your husband. And I know that sounds maybe a little silly, but I want you to think about like how you feel about your dad. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different emotion. Um, when someone, I'm much more protective over my dad. Um, and, and how he was, I was much more emotional about things. Um, with things with Jeff, I think I can stand back a little bit and say, okay, I can process why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a coach's kid, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't process this at all. It was strictly emotion. And I, um, and I, I you know, I, I think that's, it's just a different feeling. It's, it's obviously always the hardest just when people are mean to them. Mm-hmm. You know, when people say mean things, I think whether you're a wife or a kid, that's hard. But when you're a kid and somebody says something mean about your dad, that's your dad, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, yeah. that's your dad, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, your husband, somebody says something mean, you're like, oh my gosh, seriously, he didn't even take out the garbage today, right? <laughs> so you kind of joke about it, you know what I mean? Right. And you kind of try to laugh about it. But when somebody says something mean about your dad, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little different, you know? I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it stings a little more. Now, it's scarier when you're a wife because then you get like, oh my gosh, here's what this means right. when you get let go. You don't totally understand the full picture when you're a coach's kid. Um, at least I didn't. Um, but yeah, when, when you're a wife, I think it's a little bit scarier. Now I could probably answer the next question for you, but I'll okay. answer. What are some things <laughs> that you enjoy um, doing for the wives on your staff that you've been a part of? Oh gosh. Well, first of all, I just love being a coach's wife and I love being um, a part of a staff. It's just such a unique, great group, um, to be a part of. So, you know, I just, I love doing little things, um, whether it's, you know, celebrating somebody's birthday and it doesn't have to be like everybody involved, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like whether it's just making sure like you drop a cupcake by their house, um, whether, you know, that person may be going through a hard time or their child may be going through a hard time and taking some food over or just sending a text, you know, 
not necessarily anything big. It's just, I, I, you know, and I think that's just humanity that I try to do that even in just my friendships outside of coaches' wives, just little things, you know, and, and I find that sometimes those mean the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to let people know I'm thinking about them, um, I try to do that. I just try to let people know I'm thinking about them and that I appreciate them and, you know, and what they do. You are all conference in that category. I'm just going to tell you. I think I have 19 years coach's wife experience, and I'm, I'm naming you all conference team. I mean, oh, thank you. You are top notch in finding out someone's child is in the hospital with pneumonia and just showing up and making sure their kid gets, other kid gets to school and cooking dinner, and then your daughter comes in and takes oh. over. and. I'm just, y'all are amazing. Amazing. I think that coaches wives have such a unique sphere of influence that they Mm -hmm. can have with each other because a lot of them aren't raising their kids near family and they do have real life issues that happen. Somebody's going to be in the hospital or something's going on and to be there in their darkest hour. And you may not know them for very long. I mean, we know each other until over a year. And Mm -hmm. not to wait to go, well, I don't know them very well. You know, I think you did, you don't do that. You just go, Hey, you know what? That's a need. Let's just, I think it's amazing. I think there needs to be more people like Tiffany Heklinski in the world. Oh, shoot. You're sweet. I don't know if everybody would say that, but you're kind. Um, But I agree with you. Like, I think that's such an important point that we don't have a lot of history with people, right? And Mm -hmm. so you go in, and especially when you're part of a new staff, you know, sometimes you go in and everybody knows each other, you know, and, and we've been a part of both right? Where it's kind of like you're moving up and the same group, you know, goes from one school to another, or the majority of a group goes from one school to another. And, and that's a different feel, right? Because mm-hmm. you kind of know, you know what the expectations are and you know, everybody's kids and that sort of thing. But then when you go to a staff and literally no one knows anyone, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, like, and, and, a, and a lot of us work, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know you do, I do. And, you know, all of a sudden you have a child that gets ill and it's like, okay, yeah, who am I supposed to call? Like, I know no one, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think what's so great about coaches' wives and and you're so, um, you know, on point to point that out is that they will say, you could call them and be like, hey, I need help. And they will be like, I've got it. I've got it. And I mean, I would be shocked if, if somebody said, yeah, these coaches wives don't do that. I would mm-hmm. be like, what are you talking about? Cause they just don't coaches wives step up. Everybody gets it. And, and I think it goes back to what um, one of the wives said when I was talking to them about getting let go, nobody else understands this, but us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, 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 I think the same thing is that, that, you know, they get like, okay, you don't have anyone here. I don't have anyone here. We have to depend on each other. And, and so those bonds form so quickly and that's what makes it so hard when those bonds are broken Mm -hmm. because those bonds are so quick. And a lot of times they're intense, right? They're intense bonds. And then all of a sudden you've got this bond and now through no fault of your own, through nothing you've done, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's gone and you're mm-hmm. forced to break these bonds. And so that's tough. So, so yeah, that's so interesting, Kristen, that, that you pointed that out because I really hadn't kind of like kind of brought that all, um, synthesized that, mm-hmm. um, that's really interesting because it's yeah, the time they are. Piece. okay. What do you think is the most rewarding aspect to being a coach's wife? I would say when you see them graduate mm-hmm. and when you see them become fathers and husbands and citizens, mm-hmm. um, it gives me the chills. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just amazing. Like, you know, we've, you know, now that we're old, um, and I say that I'm like, we're in our mid forties, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, some of these kids that we coached early on, they're starting to coach mm-hmm. and, you know, it's so cool to see them, to go to their weddings and to send the baby gifts and to be like, oh my gosh, like, like we knew you when you were 17 and now you're grown you're a man and look at what you're doing you know and it's amazing and I just think that's so fulfilling um when you see that when you when you see them and especially ones that you know are first generation college graduates um maybe didn't come from the best backgrounds um and you think wow we saved that one Mm -hmm. we saved him if it if it hadn't and not we like meaning Jeff and me but like football do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the game saved him. And uh, that's amazing. But I think that's the best feeling in the world. All-time favorite coach's wife memory. I think my all-time favorite coach's wife memory is Jeff was out of coaching. And um, he had been let go. And because of his contract, he wasn't allowed to work for a year. And we were not a part of a staff. And I remember going to my first coach's wife event after not being a part of a staff for a year. Mm. And I remember thinking, I am never taking this for granted again. Wow. No matter what level, no matter where we are, I lost it. I lost it. I lost that you know, cause even, even when you get let go, right. And then you get another job and that sort of thing, you're still a coach's wife. But to all of a sudden, I was like, I didn't realize how important that was to my identity. Mm. And it was so important. And I don't think I appreciated that because I had always worked, right. I was like, right. I work, I do all this other stuff and whatever. And then I lost it. And going to that first event, I was like, I had tears in my eyes mm-hmm. and uh was like what what's wrong with you I'm like I'm just so happy to be here you know wow. <laughs> like, okay wow. crazy lady but so so to me that's my favorite is going to that first event have to, having it taken away and then coming back and and just again I will forever be grateful to be a coach's wife someone needed to hear that that's powerful right there good stuff rapid fire questions. You ready, Tiffany? Okay. I am ready. I'm ready. What's the last book you've read? <laughs> a textbook. Yay! Like, I'm, I know. I'm preparing for my exams. I'm honestly, communication privacy management theory. How exciting does that sound oh, right now? Riveting. <laughs> riveting. 
Oh, let me tell you, pins and needles. <laughs> Coach surprises you and walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? You know, we are not big concert goers. Okay. But I will say, and, and Jeff and I have talked about this, is that he, we were supposed to go see John Cougar Mellencamp. I don't think he goes by Cougar anymore, but John Mellencamp in um, Kansas City. And he had gotten another job. And this was like in like 2000 and maybe 1998. Who knows? <laughs> and we never got to go to, a, to that concert. And so I think he would do that because he's talked about that. He's like, you know, we've never seen him in concert. And um, we both spent time growing up in Indiana. So John Cougar Mellencamp is kind of important to us. So I think, I think John Cougar Mellencamp. Everyone has a few things that might need replacing around the house. What's the ugliest thing you own? Well, right now, so <laughs> we have a leak in our bedroom. So we've lived in this house for three weeks. Okay. And we have a leak in our bedroom mm. right now. So our living room is completely torn up. Mm. It is a hot oh. mess. I know coaches' wives out there feel me like you just move in like literally there's a hole from the the um pipe going up to our bedroom coming mm -hmm. down flooding the living room whatever wow. hot mess so there are so many things in our living room but I will say right now we need a new coffee pot so badly Kristen <laughs> it's ugly like they're a little like little black like you know what I'm talking about grains granules yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, every morning, just like, are we going to get a new one? I'm like, oh, do you think it's that bad? We need a new one. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Amazon that thing right now. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't know why we don't do it. We just complain about it every day. <laughs> That's a good gift someone could give y'all for like a house thing. Okay, if you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would it be? Oh, Okay, so I'm a political junkie, so I would say Condoleezza Rice. You get a night alone, what show would you binge watch? Jeff is a huge, so are we saying this by myself or with yeah, Jeff? by yourself. But you can, oh, you can by reveal, myself? you can reveal his as well, like, why not? Oh, he would do anything with cooking shows. Like, oh, okay. when he's home, he's anything cooking shows, but if I'm by myself, <laughs> Murder, She Wrote. Oh, that's a good one. I know. I'm, again, I'm kind of an odd little duck, but I love Murder, She Wrote. I love Jessica Fletcher. People probably don't even know who that is, but she brings me joy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that show being on live, you know, and my mom not letting me watch it. And then just somebody brought it up this week and I was like, yeah, I'm going to find this. I'm going to go watch them all. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Mom. Old widowed lady. It. I know. It now is. It's, it's like, like very it's... mild, right? <laughs> it is. It's this widowed lady who um, Angela Lansbury. She's like an old English actress, and she's widowed and lives in this fictional town called Cabot Cove, Maine. And she <laughs> solves mysteries. Like she's a writer. <laughs> like it's. I don't know. I don't. It brings me joy. My kids think I'm crazy. <laughs> Like they hear the theme song, they're like, oh, mom, I'm like, <laughs> leave me alone and let me watch Jessica. <laughs> Just leave me alone. <laughs> this is greatness. Do you have any pits? I said, we do. See what I said that. So, 
We do. So we have a mini Labradoodle named Russell. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is, I mean, he is the love of all of our lives. (laughs) We think he's psychotic, though. Like we laugh that I am his service animal. Like he's, (laughs) he literally, he has so many issues, but like we love him dearly and he's, he's a mess. He's a hot mess, but we love him. What was your dream job growing up? Uh, Athletic director. Oh, there you go. Athletic director. Yep. What sport can you beat Coach Hecklinski in? (laughs) Putt-putt. Ooh. Yes. I was a golfer growing up and he can outdrive me. So like, I wouldn't say golf cause he can just, he's just, you know, too strong, but it, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. I can kill him <laughs> in putt putt. I can kill most people in putt putt. I would say I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty cocky about it. Obviously. I love this. Okay. What would be your walk up song? Because our daughter, you know, played softball. And so I've been lift, listening to, but softball didn't have as many walk up songs. Mm-hmm. um as 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 baseball does um but uh you know I would think it would have to be some sort of like girl power song like maybe mm-hmm. something by Fergie you know yeah. I'm thinking something about that if you had a superpower what would that be well I'm a coach's wife aren't isn't don't I already have superpowers that's a superpower love it love it <laughs> that is truly a superpower <laughs> All my listeners. We all have them. We are the power (laughs) of being a coach's wife. This is going to be like a a commercial for coach's wife life. Like you just, (laughs) I'm using this quote. This was so much fun, Kristen. Thank you so very much. Thank you for being a part of us today. Oh my gosh. It was my pleasure. And what you're doing here is, is just amazing. And I know you're touching so many lives. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. For a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit CoachesWifeLife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.